Hello, everybody. Today, we're going to talk about a lot of different things. That's the name of the show. Um, Skynet, robots <laughs> in your home, <laughs> interstellar objects, maybe UFOs. We'll see what we get to. But uh, welcome. And uh, hi, Aaron. How are you doing today? I'm doing good, Gabe. How are you? I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. I got to say, that's kind of uh, a sauna out here in the garage. Excuse a lot me. Of, oh, sauna? Yeah. I guess that's the difference between us. I live in Minnesota still, and it is bright out right now. I opened up my my blinds and let the light in. Yeah, that's good. I got to say, though, that lineup that you just mentioned, obviously, because I didn't really know what you were bringing to the table. That is a that's a lot of butter over too much bread, man, which I, which is to say, is. which is to say we're going to diversify right here. <laughs> no, I just I just wanted something zany and kind of catch catch people's attention so i don't know <laughs> just uh, things i was thinking about today but i mean who's not thinking anyhow, about all of those things yeah i don't i mean like you're not a normal person if you don't think boring. at least about at least one of those like once a week <laughs> yeah right maybe that's just us we're just different but i mean with the, the skynet i was seeing that um uh tesla has their what is it called? Um, their uh, cell phone, like Wi-Fi, and that's not Wi-Fi, broadband satellites. And what is that called? Skylink? Starlink. And I was, Starlink, yeah. Okay, so not quite, not quite uh, Skynet, but you know, I'm waiting you could for, call it Skynet. I'm waiting for Starlink to go, uh, what do you call it when it's publicly tradable, APO? Oh, okay. I think that's the future. It's going to I wouldn't say monopolize, you know, like when people think of something that's going to revolutionize a certain industry, they're like, well, this person, this company is clearly going to monopolize and put a bunch of companies out of business. I don't think mm -hmm. it's necessarily going to be like that, although I do think that mm, maybe in 10 years, I think Starlink will be the premier worldwide, you know, uh, what do you call that service yeah. provider? And because, yeah. and because they have I mean, so many satellites that are going to be able to pick the optimum route, uh, yeah, optimum route between each other, um, the ping from one side of the world to the next is going to be, you know, like like touching a server with your computer like two states away. It's gonna be it's gonna be awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the whole idea makes a lot of sense compared to what we have right now, which is just. You know, it's regionally specific. You've got certain, you know, a bunch of different providers. Um, you have physical cables and lines that are connected. It's just kind of a mess. If You know, putting satellites up into orbit from just a radio communication standpoint makes a lot of sense to me. You'll have just, you'll never not have cell phone service anywhere. Um, it's just, it does, it is the future. That's for sure. It's just, uh, um, whether or not they can put enough satellites and whether or not they have enough bandwidth to compete with, you know, 5G and stuff that's coming out right now. But I'm on the bandwagon. I was looking at those Tesla phones. They're supposed to come Tesla out phone? late next year or 2024. You yeah. know, for being the technological guy here, I'm sure not aware of Tesla phones. <laughs> this is so weird. I, I should know about all these things. <laughs> it's... I, I mean, I, they're they're not making them yet, but they're supposed to come out the end of next year, twenty twenty four. Oh, I do, I do remember reading something about this. 
yeah and then you'll be able to use it on mars yeah because that's his that's his idea is get the concept down for um, global communications and then he could just take that same principle drop it onto mars instantly have um global um communications on mars In- intrasolar seems kind of ambitious but yeah i guess i don't even know i, I think that's <clears throat> what it would be considered communication yeah. within the solar system that's assuming that although within the next i don't know few decades that we become a you know spacefaring species as humans you know because why do we want to talk to mars if we're, there's nobody to talk to besides yeah, besides Elon, the, the rovers and the, they got a helicopter up there right now mm-hmm. yeah it, i mean freaking up elon there, musk says there. he wants to die on mars so he did say that. That's, I don't think that's, that's going to happen. Pushing for. I don't either. Unless if like when he's that's really true. old and he's like, well, I've done all I can. Put me in a rocket. I don't even care if it lands. Just crash me. Right. Well, I, I don't doubt that's what he would do. It makes sense with his personality <clears throat> to have his ashes shot onto Mars. Very but grandiose. He's really thinking about terraforming it and having a sustainable colony within 40 to 100 years is what he said, which is a weird arbitrary timeline but and he said he's gonna land um humans on mars in the next five years i insane. i do believe that but i think it might be more like 10 to 15 years yeah i mean i agree with you 100 percent. five years he's just built the rocket you know they haven't even i mean they are shuttling people to the space station they did do that um yeah but it's a little bit bigger of a project to uh, to send people there. I mean, it's a six-month trip to begin with, one way, and then it's a two-year round trip. So, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. It's exciting, though. I, it would be really cool to actually see people walk on Mars within our lifetimes. That That's just mind-boggling uh, to me. There's a movie, dude. There's a movie? Have you seen The Martian? <laughs> Is that Matt Damon? Matt Damon. Yeah. No. He's Is up it? there still. No. Is yeah, it Matt, Damon? yeah, Matt Damon. I always get, uh, I get Matt Damon and Mark Wahlberg mixed up. I don't know why. Like I see their faces, really? but like their names just are hard oh. for me to like assign to them. Gotcha. Yeah. Yep. Well, I guess if we're, what else do I have to say about? I swear there was something else about uh, the whole Mars thing and. No, he wanted no, to. Not really. Uh, quite a few years ago, he mentioned that a good jump start to terraforming Mars would be to send a nuke to it. Yeah, that's right. I don't remember. Yeah. The science behind why that would be feasible. <laughs> I think it was to melt the the polar caps because there is ice there, mm-hmm. uh, water ice. So the idea was to yeah just heat them up to the point where you get kind of a not necessarily a runaway greenhouse effect, but jumpstart the greenhouse effect on Mars. But, yeah, uh, you know, then you got <laughs> radiation and all sorts of other problems. So I don't know. I wonder if you nuke Mars because of the difference of atmosphere between Mars and Earth, if the if like the radiation signature on the surface would linger as long as it does on earth or if like solar radiation uh, particles 
would kind of bombard them and just like get rid of them. Yeah, that's interesting. I'm not. I like a don't like a planetary if, like the Half Life. Uh, yeah, like I, a planetary broom and <laughs> dustpan. Yeah, well, I, I don't know if the it, it changes the half life because I mean those radioact radioactive particles that are created still have the same half life. Right, but, but like I wonder, you know, I wonder if so much of the particles on Earth r- remain relatively in place because of the protection that Earth has because of our atmosphere, our, our mm-hmm. ozone, our I'm blanking on the other layers, but I wonder if, yes, the the half life would be the same, but just shoot them off in the space, a wider just get dispersal. rid of them. Yeah, yeah, you'd probably yeah you'd probably get a wider dispersal of the particles, so it would be less concentrated. And people are going to have to live indoors anyways <clears throat> in radiation, you know, uh, protective housing because there is no atmosphere. So the effects of the nuclear waste might not are, be that. Are you telling me that your house is not made of lead? <laughs> I mean, I, my house my is house made is out of lead, man. Chewing gum and it. duct tape. <laughs> chewing gum and duct tape. That's how they make houses here. But yeah, it's interesting. I, it would be really cool to see somebody just land on Mars, but you know, they're probably not going to, the first people probably aren't going to make it. I mean, <laughs> Uh, it's uh i don't know maybe it's realistic we'll see we'll see um yeah i don't know that guy's crazy um they're doing uh he announced his optimus robot recently um basically a domestic servant kind of a role in the house it's a humanoid shaped robot that uh, will just perform daily like mundane tasks for you. Um, so that's that's kind of interesting. And it's, it just kind of freaks me out with like you're getting the, the Starlink and you're getting intelligent robots in your house. It, it kind of reminds me of iRobot or maybe Terminator. I'm, I don't know which one. I'm surprised <laughs> in amalgamation of both, I suppose. I'm yeah. surprised I haven't seen... I've only looked at the one article about the robots, but I'm mm-hmm. surprised that I haven't seen somebody say like, oh, it'll be like iRobot where a yeah. robot commits murder and gets hacked and <laughs> becomes yeah. sentient. Yeah. And I mean, with uh, Elon is so freaked out about artificial intelligence too. And uh, I think it's uh this is like step one where you just get the robots and they're kind of dumb, but then all of a sudden, oh, well, they're going to be linked to this, Starlink, so they'll have global communication, and then you develop artificial general intelligence, and it just seems like a bad combination to me. But we'll see. Yeah, that article that you sent me on it. Well, I'll back up. I think last week, either before or after recording, we were talking about this a little bit, and uh, I think I had mentioned it's it's crazy that he's making robots considering that he's taking such a, a strong and and seemingly like he's afraid of it but towards uh, artificial intelligence um, but this article does mention and have him quoting that uh, every step of the way there's going to be uh, 
trying to find it. I don't know. Essentially that they're going to be very cautious every step of the way. That's reassuring. Yeah. <laughs> what could go wrong? Well, also, uh, yeah. Everyone's going to make sure that it's safe um, is his quote. But um, they're going to put physical limitations on the robot too so that if something does go wrong, and not necessarily like AI, destroy humans kind of thing, but, um, you know, just if like a a little glitch in the software of the robot or something makes it <laughs> just go berserk, it physically has limitations. Like it, it'll Isn't only that... weigh 125 pounds. It can only carry a maximum of 45 pounds. It can only move mm-hmm. five miles per hour. Just from a marketing perspective, though, that just seems like the wrong way to go about it is to um, lead with that. Like, oh, if something goes wrong, it can't hurt you. It's like, well, wait, what What do you mean goes wrong? Like, what What could go wrong? What? Why is my robot going to be attacking me and I'm going to have to wrestle it off me? It just puts a really bad image in your mind when, just from a marketing perspective, I think. Yeah, I think that would be like a very extreme case and probably something where another human has somehow like gained access to the hardware or software of a robot mm-hmm. and then actually programs it to cause malicious intent on somebody. But specifically what I was talking about is just like, you know, like it just starts actuating its arms, crazy throwing your arms around just, you know, yeah, crop, yeah. crop, uh, yeah. Crappy flopping all over the place. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I don't know, but that I, get... I, I don't know. Yes, there are concerns like you mentioned, but I'm all for it. I hate cleaning my house. I hate going to the grocery store. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, the thing about the grocery no, store is you. like people, people just like float around a grocery store aimlessly. And it's like, i like the last time I was at the grocery store, some guy went to like the produce section, grabbed a couple things walked away so then he actually was standing in front of the produce like that i wanted so i went over there and it's like he came back and <laughs> just stood there like i was in his way and it's like dude you were already here why didn't you why didn't you grab the stuff that you needed why did you come back we we need a structure yeah. to how you you need to, you need to take a home ec class man <laughs> oh my god I, I was gonna go somewhere else bread lines <laughs> what you just line up bread lines yeah. just line up get your rations get out <laughs> no i see i can understand that to, to some degree um the, the guy you're interacting with because i i use the grocery store as kind of um like i gotta get out of the house and just do something so it's kind of an excuse to go there and then just wander around a little bit and look at stuff so yeah but but i no, i can totally that's that's well there are stores like that for me grocery store is not Mm -hmm. one of them okay i'd like i'll go to harbor freight or some other hardware store and just meander around and look at stuff but those stores are usually Mm -hmm. like a lot larger than a grocery store so i'm not usually in somebody's way yeah yeah um but to go back, I had a thought. You mentioned bread lines where you just go up there and you get your rations. 
that mm-hmm. kind of happened to the grocery store we go to during the pandemic or well i guess there's still technically a pandemic but like all the the shutdowns or the lockouts or whatever you call it um the grocery store yeah. literally created a one path you could only take this one path through the entire store so like you start out by like the the produce then you go back towards like the cheese then you come up this way towards the the baking goods and it's it's i actually like that i I understand that people will freak out if you maintain that kind of structure in the store after all the the mask mandates and and everything like that have been uh, relaxed. But uh, I think that's super efficient. I we should just make grocery stores like one giant long hallway, which is like <laughs> yeah. twelve or fifteen feet wide, and just have well. <laughs> You know, just it will be when the robots are doing the shopping. True, true. It'll be like uh, Amazon Automated Fulfillment Center. Well, it, and it's the other thing that they've done too is the car pickup. A lot of places, and it's free. Um, that's what we do because when Sierra does most of the shopping, um, so she'll just order it online. I just go pull up into the spot. They just load it in the back of the car, and you're gone. So that's the majority of it. So when I'm going to the grocery store, it is just to shop and kind of wander around. But, you know, I, the whole idea of the grocery store in the first place, it's like, we really could just cut it out at this point and just ship directly from the the distribution centers to people's homes and just cut out all that wasted space. You know, I've been thinking that for a long time when, uh, when Amazon bought out, uh, Whole Foods, mm-hmm. I was hoping that they were going to pop up a bunch of Whole Foods or relabel it, whatever, make it affordable but a lot of brick and mortar places that could be considered like a regional distribution center, basically mm-hmm. a grocery store without, well, I suppose you could go there and pick it up because some people are going to be stuck in their stuck in the old ways, but yeah, just, mm-hmm. just create enough space, uh, uh, hard buildings spursed out enough that I just go online, I order. And then, you know, within a day or two, my groceries are at my house. Yeah, and you could get like a subscription service yeah. or just, you know, you could plan it out ahead of time, have things delivered on a certain day. Uh, it, yeah, it's because mm-hmm. I, yeah, I used to work at a distribution center for right. up in, yeah, up in Fargo. And yeah, it's just so the whole point of my job there and everybody else's was the trucks would come in, you'd spend one shift, shift unloading the trucks, putting, sorting everything, putting it into aisles, but it's all on pallets. So that's still efficient, and that's that's the job of the distribution center. But then the second part was then you would go around with grocery orders for all the local grocery stores, and you'd pick out individual items off of those pallets, put them on different pallets, and then ship those to the grocery store. And then the grocery store has to unload them there, distribute all those items all around the store just for people to go there and browse. You know, it's, it is... The grocery store itself is almost pointless at this at this time. It's like a it's like a big showroom. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Yeah. And I mean people there is the from like marketing perspective, there is like the impulse buy or you yeah. know, they force you to go to the back of the store for milk that you need. So then you're gonna see other things on the way and buy some snacks and potentially spend more money, but you know, if people are budgeting and planning ahead 
or even shopping online. I mean, you could just market to them while they're doing that and kind of get the same same effect, I would think. Yeah, I mean, that's that's also kind of like the the marketing por- uh, portion of that is also, that's why like there's end caps at the end of every aisle where mm-hmm. there's something that's not, it's not where you find it. They put it up mm-hmm. in front. That's also why like yeah. Pepsi, Coca-Cola and other like uh, soft beverage dealers, they have their merchandiser go in there and in some of the more like, uh, I guess expensive or nicer places, you know, the, that merchandiser will spend hours like creating a dragon out of like yeah, <laughs> pop, you know, exactly. so- soda boxes or something. Yeah. And it's just, it's for that impulse buy. It's, yeah. They just make a little bit more money. Somebody gets, pays attention to it and you know, that sounds good. I'll grab a cold diet Dr. Pepper out of the freezer when I'm up at the, the checkout. And of course they, they charge you a lot more for that. Whereas you could have just walked to the back and picked up the six pack of diet Dr. Pepper and saved money. But you know, it's that the impulse. Yeah. I, the, uh, the idea I had with just one long hallway, I'm kind of joking, but also I think that would be amazing, but think yeah. you, you would still have to have somebody, like you said, walking through unloading pallets and stocking mm-hmm. shelves. Mm-hmm. So in some sense you would still have to have employees but I'm going to kind of pose something to you that will kind of relate back to the robots. Let's just have robots okay. do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, no. That's see when I was working at the distribution center, I was pretty much a robot and I know that um, Amazon does it where with their distribution centers, it is all robots just picking orders. But yeah, I had a, a little uh, earpiece in and a computerized voice would read to me uh, prompts for what items to get. So it'd just be like, you know, nine, seven, three, two, pick five. And then you'd have to read a confirmation code once you've done, you're done with it. Mm-hmm. But I'm driving around on an electric double pallet jack and just, I'm taking something off the shelf, setting it on the pallet. I mean, it's, it could easily be automated. Yeah. The whole process. And same thing with stocking the grocery store too. So that, that would save a lot with uh, labor costs and then you could still keep your grocery store. Yeah. So something I just thought of, you mentioned like, well, I'm kind of, you know, you were kind of basically a robot um, in a, to that distribution center. Um, I think that's basically the view that a lot of Amazon employees think of themselves as in terms of like mm-hmm. at the f- fulfillment centers. Um, yeah. I just saw this morning that approximately a hundred employees from the Shakopee, you know, the Minnesota uh, distribution center mm-hmm. in Shakopee, they, they did a walkout. Right. They want they want a three dollar raise, and they're complaining because they're not allowing people to take um, the observance of Eid off as a right. holiday. Which yeah. I guess they have no. offered in previous years. No, I I totally understand those people. Like if I I only worked at the place for a few <clears throat> months. But there is no way that is not a sustainable job in the long run, because every you every second of your time at that factory is or that distribution center, everything's timed from the second you punch in to when you punch out. And if you're behind, you get penalized. So you get an order and they give you a specific amount of time to complete that order. And almost every time you're going to run into issues with like traffic jams or something being out of stock. Um, 
just a myriad of different things. Or if you have to take a bathroom break or your battery dies on your, your pallet jack. So you're always behind and you're running for eight hours a day plus, you know, and it's, you don't even get to work for eight hours. It's you work until the orders are done. So sometimes it's 11 hours, you know, it is totally unsustainable. And it's, I could, yeah, it, it, it needs to be automated because it's not a job for, for humans, especially yeah. I got to work in the freezer too. So that's a whole nother level. <laughs> yeah, that is, that is something. Yeah. I mean, not that all of that is true. And the only way that a system like that works is through efficiency, but somebody in that mm-hmm. position is not going to, they're, they're most likely going to complain about the work conditions instead of thinking, I should find ways to optimize my workflow and make this streamlined. Nobody, nobody does that. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe a select few, but if they're at the level of just a fulfillment picker, you go to your, your manager or the supervisor and you go like, Hey, I think it'd be better if we did it like this. They're going to tell you to kick rocks. They're going to say, get back to work. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> what yeah. are you a process yeah. analyst? Get out of here. <laughs> Yeah, and they'd, they'd send in process analysts to follow people around so that they could shave down the time more, you know? Yeah, it's like... <laughs> like cut steps out. It's like a office space when they bring in, uh, what do they call them? A, I, I don't know, the bobs? Yep, the bobs. For more efficiency. Yeah, that was, that yeah, was bad. Yeah, efficiency like... specialist or something. Yep. <laughs> when, they, and... when they ask that guy, like, so what would you say you do here? Well, listen, I'm a goddamn people person. I talk to people. What the fuck is wrong with you people? Why don't you understand? <laughs> so you don't do anything. <laughs> you know, I don't remember what the quote was. So but. you're saying that you physically take the specs from the customer to the yeah. engineers. Well, 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 no, my, <laughs> my secretary does that. <laughs> so what exactly is it that you do here <laughs> well it turns out yeah, his best it. his best skill is getting hit by a truck and getting money <laughs> is that what it was i haven't seen that movie in so long it's so one. good though a good one i might have to watch it oh uh to back up a little bit we said yeah. like you could have like a subscription to get like reoccurring items from like a food distribution center delivered to your house i kind of yeah. have something like that already um and disclaimer here not a sponsor um, I have a subscription to uh, Butcher Box. Oh yeah. Okay. So they have they have different selections. You can do all chicken, all pork, all beef, or you can do a a mixed box where you get a little bit of all of that, and you can select how often you get it sent to your house. Uh, I had this subscription uh, probably three or four years ago as well. I recently just started it up. The reason why I stopped it was. And I think it might be because they were still kind of figuring out their their packaging and and streamlining shipment. Because I would often get stuff that was not frozen. Because normally they put like a mm. chunk of dry ice in there. Yeah. I would get stuff that was already unthawed. And a lot of the oh. packaging on like the, you know, you get like a pound of ground beef or something. The, the packaging would be ripped open. And I don't mean ripped in that it stretched and it looks like somebody ripped it. But I think what happened back in the day, back in the day, you know, when I had it previously, this subscription um, was that they probably have this ginormous freezer where they just have boxes of this stuff frozen and it Mm -hmm. gets moved around. And when stuff is that cold, 
the plastic packaging would get brittle. Mm. And when they, mm-hmm. when they chuck it into place, you know, you know, they'd probably get it from a source and it's frozen and then they throw it all into one bin. I think mm-hmm. the frozen meat and the brittleness of the plastic, when they bump on each other, they, they crack. So then when I get it, yeah, unthawed, there's just meat juice everywhere. Uh, but yeah, no, they've, I've, they've definitely I've been changed there. though. They're, 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 uh, the insulation of the boxes you get is much, much better. It's completely recyclable. And I haven't gotten anything that was unthought yet. Again, that's not good. a sponsor, yeah. just Did a good the, service. The, the free hamburger for life too. Uh, that I think, feel? yeah, I think when I started my subscription, when I created an account, uh, they were doing a free package of bacon. So oh, I, I get free bacon. Even better. Yeah. Okay. That's way better. <laughs> but they, they, they regularly change that at different intervals. So depending on if you're a new uh, subscriber, you might get free ground beef. Well, what's your box? I guess you can feel free to sponsor us. <laughs> that would be fantastic. We love the product. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and all it's right. all, it's all grass fed. Ah, is it really all? It is. Huh. It is. Everything is grass fed. Chickens are free range. I don't know where they get this stuff because if they're creating a nationwide <laughs> service, that's a lot of free range chickens <laughs> just driving across central United States someday. And it's like you get stopped for an hour because there's a ginormous flock of chickens just crossing the streets. <laughs> Not that free range, but yeah, free range enough. That's funny. Well, what else do we got to talk about? So many things. So many things. What do you have? What do I have? Uh, I guess we could talk about that story. I don't know if it's that interesting, but maybe we can make it interesting um, about the human footprints they found in, I believe it was South America. They, um, yeah, was it? You got that article? I'm looking at it right now. Okay. I so. The original thought was that humans had come across the Bering Land Bridge during the last ice age, and that's, approximately that's, uh, ten thousand years ago. That's the the area that freezes. Um, oh yeah, between yeah. Alaska and Russia, right? Yeah, so yeah. you know it's the whole like Sarah Palin saying she could see Alaska out her window, <laughs> Russia, Russia. Yeah. But no, it's a little farther away than that. Um, but the sea is not that deep there, and during the last ice age, when there were gigantic mile high glaciers over almost all of North America, the sea levels were up to 400 feet lower than they are today. So essentially Alaska and Russia were connected and not just by like a land bridge, you know, that it, it was a continent. There was a, an actual continent, um, between the two. And you can kind of look, if you want to look at Google earth, all you have to do is look at that area and you can see the outline of the the depth of the ocean. And then you can kind of picture all of that land. So not just between the two, but around them, north and south, a huge landmass. And some of that was covered with glaciers, I believe. But the theory is there was a particular time period when the glaciers were melting and the sea levels haven't hadn't risen um, enough where people could walk from Asia into um, 
Alaska and Canada and then make their way down into the, the rest of North America and then South America as well. So that straight that is only dated. 81 kilometers. Like that, I, is it? That is so kilometers. I don't even know what that is in miles. <laughs> um, I don't either. Like 50 miles, maybe. I don't know. I, I don't do metric. Yeah, it's like 50 mi- 53 miles. That's okay. not that. Like, I didn't know that the, that Alaska and Russia were so close or the, the Asia's. Yeah, yeah. And that was all a continent at one point. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm reading this. I started reading this book called um, The First Peoples in a New World, I believe it's called. Um, that's It's fascinating, um, that whole time period. And just thinking that people exactly like us were alive just seeing the North American continent for the first time. But the point of this story is that it had been believed um, that people came across about 12,000 years ago, give or take. But now this new, these footprints, fossilized footprints found in um, South America date to 20,000 years ago, which obviously doesn't line up with the, the current models, but you know, I don't know. Just the idea that people couldn't traverse that, you know, even in boats, you know, um, and have been here in North America much sooner. It's kind of ridiculous because walking across the land bridge in the first place, you know, you're fighting off dire wolves and short faced bear and climbing over glaciers and killing mammoths, maybe, or maybe not. Um, the, the toughness and the tenacity of those people, it's hard to imagine that they would have been stopped just by some glaciers and didn't come over here sooner. But I don't know. I, I found the story really fascinating. Yeah, I'm just skimming over it. It doesn't seem like, and I, I don't think this is exactly what we were saying, but um, it seems like what they're saying is that people were in North and South America longer ago than we thought. Not necessarily that humans uh, migrated from South America to North America, but just both. Right. Yeah. Just the fact that they were here. Yeah. Because, you know, they're, it was, you know, it's a totally different continent and people came out of Africa initially. So there weren't people in North America until very recently, but it's just the debate over when it happened. Um, but I don't know. And just looking at the pictures too, it's just so cool to see fossilized human footprints that are that old. Yeah. And I'm looking at one of the pictures. It almost looks like there's a, a pretty well uh, structured and very geometric, like rectangular shapes. I can't tell if this is like a trench that maybe they uncovered or if that was the process of the, the excavation. Yeah. Um, Oh, I see that picture. So there's like footprints and then there's a little trench carved next to it. Footprints in that too. Yeah. Yeah. That is interesting. I would imagine that's the, um, excavation, but yeah, especially you see those like three perpendicular, not perpendicular parallel lines. Mm hmm. Yeah. This stuff just really, really fascinates me. Just imagining people just like us being alive that long ago and just, you know, a totally different world as far as the climate and the, the, 
animals that were around giant sloths. I mean, you just got to look up some of the creatures that were alive. The terror birds. I don't know if you've ever seen a terror bird or heard of that. No, I haven't. Yeah, it's terrifying. It's just, a, it's like picture an ostrich, except bigger with a gigantic hooked beak. <laughs> so it's like a. It's like a dinosaur, like pretty a much. <laughs> yeah. And it, it was eating horses. So you can imagine. Oh, uh, very big. You don't, yeah, you don't, mean, you don't mean whole people. Oh, no, no. Okay. But chasing them down and tearing them apart. So <laughs> you can imagine what it would do to people. Yeah, it's like the prehistoric La Chupacabra. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. Yeah, I don't know. It is fascinating. I mean, and just to think that, I mean, people could have easily, I mean, the Europeans sailed across the ocean in the 15 well 1400s 1492 it's not, yeah it's well, not that's that just much Christopher of a Columbus. those dates are subject to many historical omissions due to the american education system yeah but you know it it doesn't seem that much of a stretch that people could have made it across to north america sooner than even that 20,000 year mark um especially from africa because you look look at like the I don't know if it's the Toltecs or the Olmecs. Um, uh, their their statues and their carvings, um, and just kind of the they were their civilization was gone by the time the Aztecs and the Incans Incas were around, and the Aztecs and Incas were talking about how amazing these Toltecs and Olmecs were, but the features on these statues uh, that they've left behind are just, you know. African, like straight up African features. So like, I don't know. It's just like tribal almost. Or yeah, well, just I mean, like sub-Saharan African features. Um, so it just makes you think. It makes you think that you know people in Africa could have sailed across the the ocean tens of thousands of years ago and started a civilization in North America. I think you got the wrong education and you're in the wrong career field. <laughs> Why is that? You should totally be an anthropologist. Yeah. Oh man. I've just listened to hundreds and hundreds of hours of podcasts about this stuff. So it's, it fascinates me. You got to try out, um, Daniele Bellelli did, uh, an episode on the Aztecs or the Mexica. Um, that is just, fascinating their religion and just the the conflict between the conquistadors and the um mexica empire and how their religious views were so similar but just different deities but they just murder each other over it yeah and and then like the 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 widespread use of psychedelic um i don't know mushrooms was just huge part of their culture and they were talking with gods and doing all sorts of crazy stuff and human sacrifice <laughs> yeah for the most part the psychedelics were like shamanistic in nature right to a degree like, but like, i think it was widespread throughout the entire population okay. yeah because i know in some cultures like like the shaman of the tribe or something would 
traditionally or more primarily consume psychedelics in order to Mm -hmm. commune. Oh, and they did that. They did that for sure. Like, um, (laughs) what's, I'm forgetting. And they saw the color of sound. (laughs) They did. They did. They talked with, um, the, the, I can't pronounce any of the names, but, um, their war God was, um, a hummingbird type creature. And supposedly the king, the Mashika king got really high, (laughs) would actually talk with this war God and told him to, you know, sacrifice people. And, you know, they would take, you know, cut people's hearts out at the top of these pyramids and then roll the body down. And they would kill like at, at the dedication of some of these temples. Like, I think it was 80,000 people they killed to um, basically consecrate this one temple. So they were out of control, man. <laughs> but uh, it's so fascinating. All right, let's let's move up in history a little bit. Okay. Fast forward. Tell me what you know about Avalon. Avalon? <laughs> I don't know what that is. King Arthur, the round table. Oh, okay. I got you. Is that... Avalon. Is there any truth to that story? I was reading something about that a few months ago. Um, I mean, outside of my Monty Python. <laughs> yeah, there's some speculation. They found this um, town, this medieval town, not medieval. Um, it would have been in the early, uh, early part of the century. So somewhere around like the year 400, something like that, I think. No, I'm totally, it's been too long since I've read this, but they found a, a castle next to the coast that was a trading, a trading post, um, with, uh, basically copper, I think, or some metal. And they were speculating that this may have been kind of the, the, the king or the, the civilization that ran that trading post might've been the foundation for the Arthur myth, but it is almost, um, universally thought of as just a myth but it might may have some some um just a little bit of truth to it because there are a lot of different traditions in i think it's is it in ireland uh i think so i mean arthur supposedly i mean he's english right but i think this this castle is in ireland i i think so, so. It, it's a I myth. Know, they... it's a myth it's a myth. So I was just a uh, quick Google search here. It says historians cannot confirm King Arthur's existence, though some speculate that he was a real warrior who led uh, British armies against Saxon invaders. Okay. Okay. So like, so that was the the you know the Knights of the Round Table and this this seemingly everlasting quest to find the Holy Grail. It, that might be mm-hmm. a little dramatized. Yeah, just, you know, people just keep coming up with new stories. But yeah, I, I could see that him being like a hero, a Saxon king mm-hmm. who was defending defending England against the, or a British king, I'm sorry, defending it against the, the Saxon invaders, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's that's what's so fascinating about the British, the British Isles, as it were, is you just get wave after wave of new people coming into um, Britain. You know, it's like, oh, the Saxons, because I'm... I watched this, well, I read the books, watched the TV show. Um, there's one called Vikings. There's another one called The Last Kingdom. But the the Last Kingdom show is based on a series of books. But it's basically the Danes coming over from 
Scandinavia and invading England. And it's the Saxons. The Saxons are the English people at this time. But then you go back another, you know, three, four, five hundred years, and it was the Saxons who were invading, and it was the Britons defending, or the Celts. Then you go back to Julius Caesar. Um, Fascinating if you want to learn about the Celts. Um, Julius Caesar basically exterminating the Celtic people and driving them out of France and Germany and up into, basically they fled up into Britain and Ireland. And that's kind of like the last refuge of the, the Celtic people who were around, you know, two, 3,000 years ago. So it's just constant waves of people moving. So it's like, oh, we've been here forever. And well, forever means probably 200 years. And then yeah. on top of that, then you get the Danes and the Saxons mingling after their little warfare in the 800s. And then you get Charlemagne. Was it Charlemagne? Not Charlemagne. Um, William the Conqueror in like 1066 comes over. And then the French mingle with the British for hundreds of years. And they basically run the government and change the language and just constant melting pot. I don't know. I'm fascinated with history. I know I'm talking a lot, but <laughs> I'm just listening, man. Yeah. You, you know, your stuff. That's for sure. I can imagine how that know. conversation would go though. We've been here forever. Well, how we've been here a long time. How long is a long time? As long as I can remember. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> my dad was Not here. Very long. Uh, I don't know about my granddad. He killed some guy and took his farm. Yeah. <laughs> Our roots go deep. Is a Viking raider and came over and murdered a bunch of people. How did you inherit this land? I gave that man over there three goats. Yeah. <laughs> it's and a then, long story. And then he gives me the milk. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. Cause like my I did uh the genetic thing, like a 23andMe or something. And I always thought I was French or mostly French, but turns Who out wouldn't I'm like with your 35% last name, dude? Irish. <laughs> yeah. I'm like 35% Irish and then 10% Norwegian. And I'm like, well, is that Norwegian from Norway or is that some sort of intermingling that happened in Ireland back I don't, in the day? I don't quite think that like they're, the methods that they use, what they do is they get samples from all around the world. So if there's somebody in, you know, Europe, they mm -hmm. they have that profile and then if somebody in the US does the same you know 23 and me or whatever service all they do is they compare genetic uh, uh, profiles or markers between the two and say oh yeah you're you, I don't know you, you share 5% of whatever this guy's got yeah exactly so yeah it's, it's not necessarily saying yeah, I don't know that you're, you're you share some common traits with the people living there currently. It's kind of right. And, is. and, you know, I, I think the only reason why I would ever do, uh, what do you call that genetic marking test or mm -hmm. biometric analysis from 23andMe or something like that would be to see if I have any markers to have, to be predisposed towards certain illnesses. Mm -hmm. Excuse me, mm -hmm. kind of hiccup there. Um, yeah, but, they told me I'm at higher risk for diabetes. So it's it's pretty, pretty interesting. You're American, so yeah. <laughs> no, it's it's pretty valuable in that respect. I'd, I'd recommend it. Yeah. But I'm Native American too. Like 1.6%. <laughs> 1.6%. 
didn't you have family up north that, that were native american um, or just there's native americans up in that area up no i mean there are yeah there are there is a, a reservation up there oh okay but but this is like one sorry it's your history not mine i can't remember exactly <laughs> yeah it it goes back a ways but there was some somebody in my history about eight uh, i forget how many i'd have to do the math but it's like six or six generations four generations who knows yeah i mean i understand the people's like people who subscribe to these services or who do this there's a certain pull for people that want to figure out what their ancestral background is where they came from and genetically try to find their extended history but i mm-hmm. i don't think we have the means to quite do that and right now as it is i think what these services are giving people is kind of i don't know just a bunch of malarkey because it's like of course of course we're going to have certain genetic markers that match other people in the other parts of the world we're all human mm-hmm. well like, that's why they have like to no do shit. this 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 sampling that's why they have to do the, the regional true. sampling it's because you do get mutations that are shared in a population over time so that's the only way to do it because yeah if you just take the dna you're not going to really know jack I would, <laughs> I would like somebody who lives near chernobyl to do one of these <laughs> yeah Oh, you are the uh, only one with this genetic marker. What does that mean? You're predisposed to grow a third pinky. (laughs) Third, I only want two. Apparently. It says here you're Martian. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Apparently, like. Excuse me, had to cough off mic there. Uh, Apparently, like a lot of the the plants and wildlife um, in like the. I don't know what you, what you would want to call it, like the exclusion zone around uh, Chernobyl where like essentially people, I don't know if they're forbidden from going there. They might be. I don't know the whole thing about that, but the wildlife there is seen like mutations or changes that is nowhere else on earth. I mean, that makes sense. And, and the wildlife <laughs> and the plants have flourished there. Well, of course, because oh, nobody's, yeah. nobody's tearing shit down, but like a lot of these animals are just they're so unique yeah i mean it makes sense have you seen the movie annihilation Uh, it sounds familiar what's it about um some like extraterrestrial rock lands on a coast Mm -hmm. and then it creates this big dome around it and within the dome stuff mutates like plants that shouldn't be having or growing mm-hmm. a certain way or plants that are cross pollinizing that like theoretically shouldn't. And this is a movie obviously, but mm-hmm. um, no. Yeah. I saw that. I thought it was great. Yeah, I did too. <laughs> when I was, when I was overseas, I, I told some people, I was like, Oh yeah. Like they were talking about some movie. It was like an action film or like a suspense thriller or something like that. And I was like, oh, yeah, you know what another, another really good movie for you guys to watch is? Annihilation. It's super good. I don't want to spoil it for you. Just watch it. They both watched it like that night. And then the next day in the office, they were like, why did you make me watch that? That was that was really <laughs> creepy. 
<laughs> it is it does it does it kind of does give you the chills in some scenes but it is oh really my good gosh. that oh man have you seen um uh the expanse i'm sorry what was that have you seen the expanse yeah yeah i just binged oh. uh the season i was missing like last week yeah that dude that's so that show is so great it's so similar the um the the molecule or what the proto molecule yeah and yeah, I reading the books. Oh, read the books. That's so stupid to say, but they it goes into a little bit more detail about the proto molecule. But just like that's what it does too. It just hijacks um, whatever organic material and even inorganic material and just uh, changes it. Uh, basically, it's it's almost exactly like that that uh, that movie you were just talking about. Yeah. But, yeah. Or the flood. The flood in Halo. It's a similar idea too. Oh yeah. goodness, is that true? I'm is that real? The flood, the halo? No, 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 no. no. <laughs> I I just googled no. uh, Chernobyl animal mutations, and they're not all like interesting. They're I mean they're interesting, but some of them are like God damn, that's fucked up. Like a cow with two heads, deer with two heads, really? a wolf with like eight eyes. That one's a YouTube video. That might be a dramatization. <laughs> That's crazy. There's he- yeah, that is scary. There's a what the hell is this? I don't want to watch YouTube. <laughs> oh yeah, know, there's like a that... really really abnormally patterned like deer. Eesh. Eesh. It's a deformed piglet. I'm a lot of them have tumors though. Ugh so creepy so creepy because it's like it's so it's weird in the fact that it goes right so often you know basically starting off with a single cell and dividing into billions of cells in your body and that nothing really goes that wrong and kind of predictably follows a pattern and you're not constantly getting these mutations is really surprising to me you know so it's like when it goes wrong it's just like whoa that's weird but it's like is it really that weird it's weird that it doesn't happen more often you know i don't know maybe i'm looking at it weird it's all thanks to our the earth's protective atmosphere right which we're we're willingly and not willingly yeah willingly and blindly just destroying yeah yeah well i mean cutting out cfc's has done a big has a big impact um because that the ozone hole that was a big yep. deal, man. Yep, yep. Like that would have, you know, that's how you get UV radiation, you get mutations and skin cancers, and basically, yeah, life can't exist if you have too much UV radiation. I actually <clears throat> watched this really interesting. It was a YouTube video, but it was laid out like a documentary. Like it was really well resourced. There's I can't remember the guy's name, but back in the day, he was the he was trying to create a fuel for vehicles that uh, created more power. I can't remember, but it was what led to um, lead fuel. Mm, okay. Mm-hmm. And he knew, he knew the issue, but it was his only big breakthrough in finding a, a solution for what he was trying to do. And mm-hmm. I think, I think, in a presentation to convince people that it was safe, 
he what did he do he like inhaled a ton of the fumes from this stuff for like a minute straight on stage and then for like a month he was sequestered to an island he claimed he was on vacation but he was sequestered to an island for a month because he was getting over lead poisoning oh my god and then that's insane this guy and or one of his colleagues or maybe even combined um they were the ones who created cfcs oh really (laughs) yeah (laughs) oh man he knew he, he knew the lead product that he had made was dangerous he just it just was a inc- bastard incredibly lucrative and everybody no every, everybody used it yeah there's a um i think it was a radio lab show or even series on that on lead um just lead in the environment and basically some scientists figuring out um how bad it was for us but yeah it's not good oh the freaking romans i mean they had lead water pipes. I mean, we still do in Flint, Michigan, but <laughs> yeah, allegedly. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that crazy? Like, you can imagine what effect that had on their civilization, but yeah. I'm trying to find the guy's name, but I don't know. I thought that was really interesting. I like, I like documentaries like that. There's, um, there's a really good documentary called the men who built America, I think. Hmm. And it's about okay. Andrew Carnegie, Rockefeller, Ford. It's it's all about their upbringing, what they did, what their business dealings were, stuff like that. It's really good. I mean, I think it's like two hours long, but it's, it's super good. Okay. Yeah, I know almost nothing about those guys. It'd be interesting to check it out. But, yeah, it is. it makes you think, too, with the, the lead thing is like what – what do we have in our everyday lives today that we're going to find out is just killing us? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't know. Everything? I think, I mean, having Rap inhaled a lot of, yeah, a lot of sheetrock dust, having inhaled that and gotten it in my eyes a lot, I would say that's probably Oh, I know. The, gonna be I mean, you were things. at that a lot longer than I was, but the, the time that I worked with you, oh my goodness, so much inhalation of probably very nasty particles mm-hmm. probably to include asbestos asbestos oh for sure for sure well we wore our mask when we were tearing down walls and stuff but still yeah but you know it's at least you know just a little bit of it's probably not the end of the world but if you're inhaling it on a regular basis it's not good no it's just basically like smoking um Chernobyl. So where where are we now? Um, we didn't, we didn't get to aliens. I was kind of a joke at the beginning, but <laughs> well, so you mentioned that, and then uh, I started doing some googling because there was there was a documentary that came out about a researcher who allegedly worked in Area Fifty One mm, or Bob one of, Area Fifty One is huge. So I guess there's like sub sub research facilities there, and I can't remember what. Oh, S4. He called it S4. Yeah. Area in Bob Area 51, but it's Bob Lazar. Yeah. That's a yeah. that's a really interesting story. Uh, it is. I Who knows if it's if it's real, you know? I, I believe that he believes it's real. Yeah, he, he does. But yeah, that, that is interesting. He did a, at least one interview, I think, with... Um, 
Joe Rogan. Was it him? Yeah, Joe Rogan. Yeah, Joe Rogan and Jeremy Corbell. I believe, yeah, which I think was his his like videographer slash editor or I don't know. I think Jeremy Corbell was probably I think he might have been the actual person to make the documentary. Maybe I don't know. Mm. I'm probably totally wrong, but that's his yeah, name. I Look it up. <laughs> yeah. Look it up. Everybody's got Google. Yeah. Yeah. I don't uh, mean you specifically. It's just like, if that sounds interesting to you, look. It is interesting. At least they hear the story and how sincere he is and all the details that this guy's got on it. Um, the fact that we're reverse engineering alien spacecraft, I don't know, but it seems like we would have more advanced technology at this point if that were the case. Well, I think it comes down to semantics and context. I do believe that part of his story where he says that like every different research group or pair. So I think you're paired up with one other researcher as like a partner. I do believe Mm -hmm. that back then the government probably did want to compartmentalize everything so that, you know, you wouldn't have just a rogue researcher who knew everything to release everything. Yeah. That does definitely sound like a very uh, protective and, you know, hold your secrets close kind of government. So, yeah, so you would know about this. So that's what I was going to ask is, would they intentionally feed him some BS just to see if it leaked? You know um, what I'm saying? I don't know if that's actually commonly done. Um, but he does he does claim that that happened. He said in, in each, like, in processing, so to speak, you, you're given, like, a, a sheet of paper, which is, like, a summarization of the research that you're taking on. And Bob Lazar states that, they would sprinkle in little falsities in mm-hmm. there so that like, you know, they'll show one person that says like, yeah, we have blue Martians. They'll show the other person that the Martians are red or, you know, yeah. some other, you know, for instance, or aliens don't have to be from Mars, but, um, yeah. but yeah, if they ever saw in the news that, Oh, there's blue aliens, then they'll be like, we only showed this person that. Mm-hmm. That seems that of course, seems, it could also be I hearsay, mean, like, you know, maybe the guy gets drunk. Well, still, yeah, it's, it's on him. If he gets drunk and gets loose lips, then they'll still be able to be like, hey, we saw this. You're the only person who knew that. Yeah. And I mean, that seems like a more likely scenario for going with least plausible hypothesis that they're just working on spy planes or something. And um, basically, he went and leaked it to somebody or talked about it, and then they just kicked him off the project. I mean... Yeah, he and that the whole alien thing was just a, a red herring just to see. I think I think what sparked um his his leaking of information, so to speak, was he knew that eventually eventually, according to his story, the government started to do uh test flights of these craft and he he was he found out or he was privy to when and where and he took a bunch of his friends out in the desert and they hid on like a cliffside where they could record it and i think there is mm-hmm. recordings of this event on youtube mm-hmm. but but the you know the camera technology back then was so poor it could just be gas pockets <laughs> it's classic tossing your hat up in the air and taking a picture of it yeah yeah well they um, they videoed yeah no i mean i've I've seen a lot of these videos too. Some of the more recent stuff, um, uh, like the there's 
one where it's um, basically they're tracking it from like a, a fighter jet or something. And you see this little object going just real fast and real low. And they're just, they're tracking it flying perfectly straight. It's, and it just like, boom, crashes into the ocean. I don't know. There's a whole bunch of them that yeah, look I've, really I've, interesting to me. I've heard another similar account where a craft was going super fast and then without slowing down or any perception of like mm-hmm. inertia just takes like a 90 degree corner, like turn just mm-hmm. in the midair, just goes left. Yeah. So, yeah, because there's that whole, uh, that tic-tac, um, that fighter pilot, Navy fighter pilot saw this tic-tac and a couple other people saw it too, um, where it did that. Yeah, it was just like no inertia, nothing. And it just accelerated instantaneously, would move back and forth instantaneously. It's like, that is really fascinating. And it's like, oh, well, is why do we jump to aliens right off the bat, first of all? But secondly, um like just to debunk it a little bit. It's just, that seems like something that you would get with an optical illusion, like, or maybe somebody using a laser pointer or some sort of holographic projection. Those all make more sense than just jumping to aliens or a technology that is so far beyond us that, you know, you'd think it would leak or it could just be really, really next gen drones. You know, I mean, I've seen what these drones can do. And if you can imagine technology that's they've been working on for 20 years, like, man, I could I could see there being some drones out there that are real kick ass. And, you know, the, the G forces and the acceleration would not affect them nearly as much as a human. Yeah. You get 100 to 1000 times more, you know, G force on a machine than a human. Um, what do you mean by Tic Tac? Is that just like a radar readout on like a. Um, he called it the what's the guy the pilot's name. Um, uh, Lieutenant uh, Dan favor favor, I think mm. is his name. Yeah, Lieutenant Dan. <laughs> um, oh, oh, man, that reminds Forrest Gump. There's an interesting story about Forrest Gump, but um yeah, he he's he called it a tic tac because it was white and it was shaped like a tic tac. So oh right, yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. And he got his eyes on it. He wasn't just using radar; he was looking at it with his eyes. Yep. And his story, I mean, I've heard him on um, Joe Rogan and then Lex Friedman. Also, I think he did a better interview with him. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I, I that, might have seen the Joe Rogan one. Yeah, Lex Friedman too is is pretty good. I mean, he gets I, into a little bit more detail. I do listen to him occasionally. I do like him a lot. Yeah, he's got some great stuff. But, I don't know yeah, what I mean, it is. I just like the way he speaks. Yeah. <laughs> Not like I got a man crush on the guy. He is very he is very smart. He brings on good guests and they do very high level intelligent conversations. But uh I don't know. He just he's got a unique voice for podcasting and I think it works really well for him. Yeah, he's a very, very unique person. <laughs> That's for That's sure. That's for sure, yeah. But next, next to uh, Mark Zuckerberg, he's the functioning yeah. robot or alien. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. He's always saying he's a robot. Might be true. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. There's not much, much more to say about UFOs other than just doing a bunch of research. But you're going to get nowhere in the end. Just kind of what I found out. <laughs> it's just there just really isn't good 
evidence, but it's like, what, what evidence would be good? You'd have to have the alien standing in your front yard, like giving you the Spock symbol. Oh, yep. I guess they're real. Yeah. Um, so like you said, does it like people see these things or hear about this and they immediately jump to aliens or, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, all it takes is one person to, to, to plant that seed and suggest it. And then people are going to go with it. And the people that go with it, whether it's real or not, are generally, um, in the public's eye or the population's eye usually, um, as just conspiracy theorists, uh, crazy people. Mm -hmm. So maybe if it is true, and I'm not saying I am a government, you know, conspiracy, uh, conspiracy theorist, but, um, if you think about it to just immediately make that jump and let people just eat that up, that's a mm -hmm. really good tactic for discrediting information. Cause people can be like, Oh, it's aliens. And then people can be like, ah, mm -hmm. fuck right. Alien. And then they're not going to look into it. Yes. It's like a obfuscation technique. And that's, that's Dis like discredit what, what people are saying and then force people or not force people, but it discourages people from trying to actually figure it out. If it is just like super high tech, you know, drones or you know whatever spy planes yeah. whatever i mean that's that's kind of what they did if if you look mm -hmm. at like the timeline with area 51 at first they're like oh it's a weather balloon and then oh it's not a weather balloon it's this and they flip-flopped and then it's like the narrative started where it's aliens yeah it's aliens and then just you know it immediately discredits anybody looking into it yeah mm -hmm. it's it's like information it, warfare is kind of what it and is. It, and it floods the mass of data that we have via the internet with alien stuff. And it, it, it mm -hmm. buries what might be true if it's out there. Mm-hmm. Yep. I'm with you on that. It's a very good technique. That's why I just don't know. But I don't know because there's so much obfuscation out there. So. That's why when I'm angry and people go, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, I just got gas. <laughs> just got gas. <laughs> They don't dig any oh. further. Yeah, yeah, it's good. It's good. I don't do that, but that's funny. <laughs> it would work potentially. It would. It would. <laughs> Are you angry with me? I'm just holding in a mean fart, man. Don't worry. I'm protecting you. <laughs> I'm just down Taco my Bell yesterday. <laughs> it's that classic thing. Oh, yeah. I don't know. Oh. There was something. Oh, the Forrest Gump thing. I heard something about that the other day. I don't remember it anymore, but he... Oh, Forrest Gump is named after some... The original clan leader, I think. What? Yeah. And it actually... There's, a, I think, a clip in the movie in the forest. That's an interesting name. And he's like, oh, no, I was uh, named after some guy who used to like to play dress up with his friends. <laughs> something like that in the movie. So it's... Oh, in uh, this... Oh, yeah, yeah, right here. I just heard that the other day and I was like, what? <laughs> like Bedford Forest or something like that. Nathan Bedford Nathan Forest. Bedford Forest. Yeah. Scotch, <laughs> Scotch, Irish, American, and noted Confederate general in the American Civil War and the first Grand Wizard of the Ku Klux Klan. And that's, that's who Forrest Gump is named after. Because, I mean, you think of where he's from in the movie, too. It's, it kind of makes sense. I think so. 
Part of, part of this is an actual quote from the movie, I think, too. But she intended his name to be a reminder that sometimes we just do things that, well, just don't make no sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I guess. Playing dress up with your friends. <laughs> Terrorizing people. Murdering hmm. people. Uh, yeah, I just thought that was funny. I never knew that. Yeah, there was some other... There's a story, too, of some... Uh, soldier in vietnam it might have been in korea no i think it was vietnam but there was a, a guy who i'm pretty sure forrest the forrest gump story is based off of and i wish i could remember it but it's like i was listening to this uh, it was another podcast about this soldier and i'm just listening to everything that's going on and him running to save his lieutenant and picking him up and getting shot in the butt and I was like wait a minute <laughs> this sounds <laughs> like they based Forrest Gump off of that. But I don't know. That movie just keeps giving. Like the Energizer Bunny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let's see. Yeah, well, we got to Aliens. So... Uh oh, dead air, I, dead air. <laughs> I'm trying to find, I saw a headline that made me believe that Gump isn't even his real name. Oh, really? Yeah, it's uh, Hanks. Hanks. Is, uh... <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I think she named him Gump because it's the definition of a foolish or stupid person. Mm. Yeah, that movie is just really fascinating. There's so many little bits to it. It's just so well done. Oh, that's why. Because it's based on a novel, of course. <laughs> the best movies always are. Okay, I get it now. And it's like it's very rare when you come up with a movie just totally not based on anything and it's actually good. Yeah. Is that true? What? Is that is that statement I just made true? I'm trying to think. Just a straight up somebody just created a, a plot for a movie that's not based on something else. No, I just think that that's good. Well, oh, based off of Star book. Wars. Star Wars. Yeah. There we go. So, you're, uh, what are you saying? Like, movies are the best when they're, are they the best when they're, when they're based, based off, off of a book? book? Okay. I yep. thought you were saying yep. our stories the best when they're based off real life. Oh well. I, I was going to yeah, say I think a lot of people have uh, creativity blocks, or they just don't have much creativity in general. So they they create a pseudo story about something that already happened. Mm-hmm. It's a lot. It's a lot more difficult for somebody to create an intricate, intricately related world of fiction but the writers do it all the time you know Stephen true? King people people it's just weird that it doesn't translate well, to the, the he was film just on laudanum yeah <laughs> and drinking what 24 beers a night and smoking chain smoking and doing cocaine I don't know about cocaine maybe but yeah yeah 
sparks those creative juices something about the, the alcohol and the tobacco together really sparks those creative juices i guess it does yeah got some crazy ideas man well let's end this i mean who knows what we're going to talk about next time we got to aliens we got to ancient americans talk about the ice age history i mean what the hell's left got skynet robots skynet. colonizing mars <laughs> terminator irobot movies i mean we got to a lot of stuff so a lot of next diversity. time yeah come check us out next time promise more of the same just on different topics and if you guys have any topics that you think are interesting get a hold of us uh, we don't have a platform up now but we will be creating one soon where you can interact with us and possibly give feedback and or suggestions for topics that you want to hear us talk about.